The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and a desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to your coaching, so there's always somebody available to answer your questions and to help you adjust your training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you to chat about your goals and find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, the ITL Coaching and Performance website is itlcoaching.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. You can find them at bluepineappletravel.com. Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip. They are all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The agents at Blue Pineapple Travel love to help people plan their travel. Their goal is to match you with the trip that you want. Whether you're looking for relaxation or adventure, traveling solo or with a group inside the United States or outside the United States, they are there to match you to the trip for you. Blue Pineapple Travel will help you curate all the travel information out there to create the exact vacation that you want. Again, their website is bluepineappletravel.com. And finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by SlayerX, www.slayerx.com. SlayerX is a sports nutrition company that makes products for athletes, team sports, and anyone that trains or works outdoors. SlayerX was founded by an endurance athlete and University of Georgia food scientist who was unhappy with the choices he was offered on course in long course triathlons. He started making his own mixes and now you can enjoy those same mixes. SlayerX offers differing levels of electrolytes in their hydration products and you can get them with or without calories. You can either take their online test at SlayerX.com or you can be tested in their laboratory to determine the exact amount of liquid and electrolytes that you need to be consuming while racing. In addition to hydration products, SlayerX offers fueling products like their product Diesel, which is available with or without the optimum level of caffeine that is scientifically proven to legal enhance performance while limiting GI upset and diuretic impact. If you're looking for alternative gel, try SlayerX's new Spark Plug, a Pop Rocks-like powder that combines the same electrolytes that are in their other products, encapsulated caffeine, and quickly absorbed carbohydrates. It comes in a plastic tube so it can be carried while running and it will work to enhance and fuel your alertness, general happiness, and performance. Remember, tell them that the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast sent you by using the coupon code PLEASANT2019 at checkout on the website and you'll get 10% off anything that you purchase there. That's SlayerX.com, PLEASANT2019. Test, don't guess with SlayerX. Thanks to all of our sponsors for helping us to bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by ITL Coaching Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and Slayer X. We have for you today an interview that we did with Morgan Van Gorder. Morgan is a graduate of the University of Georgia. She's a member of the Atlanta Track Club Elite Team, and I am excited to say that she is an Olympic Trials Marathon qualifier. I've known Morgan for a few years, and I was able to talk her into coming on to the podcast with us by doing a few workouts with her during her marathon build here. So I appreciate her coming on. Michelle, Patrick, and I all work together because we were all so excited to have her here. Before we get into that interview, I do want to mention one thing that I've mentioned a couple of times before, but with a little bit of a twist. 
Last year, you all will recall that we did race report podcasts for the first time. That's where I would invite people to come onto the podcast. They would talk about a big target race they had. Um, they talked to us beforehand about some anxieties, some training, about their plans, their goals. And then we'd circle back around with them afterwards and talk about how the race actually went, whether their fears proved to be justified, whether they met their goals, all that sort of thing. This year, Slayer X has decided they're going to be sponsoring our Race Report podcast. And what that means is that anybody who volunteers to come on our podcast, give us about 40 minutes of their time, and talk to us about their big goal race, both before and afterwards, will get $100 worth of Slayer X nutrition products. So if that's something that appeals to you, and if you're on the fence about whether you're going to reach out and volunteer, please do, and you will get $100 worth of Slayer X products to use during your marathon or Ironman or whatever buildup it happens to be. So reach out to us, george at itlcoaching.com, pleasantpodcast at gmail.com. Let me know that you're willing to be interviewed and we will definitely set that up. Thanks for considering that and thanks to SlayRx for offering to sponsor the Race Report podcast here in 2020. All that said, let's get into our interview with Olympic Marathon Trials Qualifier, Morgan Van Gorder. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and Slayer X. My name is George Darn. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. We have a full house today at the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast studios. Patrick Ollinger's here. Ah, good to be here. Well, I'm glad always. you're here. Athlete and coach Patrick Ollinger. The cool older girl, Michelle Frank, is here. Welcome back, Michelle. Thanks for having me, George. Right on. And our guest of honor, the person we are super excited to interview, is runner and Olympic trials marathon qualifier, Morgan Van Gorder. Hey, happy to be here. So Morgan, we are glad you're here and we appreciate your being here. So um, we have been trying to get Morgan to come on for the last couple of months since she qualified at Twin Cities here and she's been training hard and we're doing this interview five weeks out from the Olympic trials. How are you feeling? I feel good. Um, I have a couple more weeks of heavy training here, but uh, the buildup's been good so far and I am excited for it to be here, actually. Right on, right on. So what aspect of like getting to run the Olympic trials excites you most? Um, for me, this has been a huge goal of mine for quite some time. Um, I actually chased the qualifier the last um, time, so just like accomplishing this goal and being able to be there and run it really for me is um, the biggest thing. Right on. Very cool. Were you trying to qualify in the in the marathon in 2016? The half. The half. Yeah. So right. I went for it in the half and I ran, it was 115 uh, last time, so I ran 117, so I was like two minutes off. Mm -hmm. um, and I was going to go for it again in the half that year, but I had like just a little flare-up of an injury and didn't get that chance again. So um, yeah, then went for it in the marathon this time and got it. <laughs> and, and, and you didn't get it your first time around? No. I did not. So I ran grandma's earlier um, in 2019 and I ran a 2.48, so about three minutes off um, the time. And then I went back and ran Twin Cities in October. Right on, right on. And, and qualified there. And you qualified with some space. I did. I ran a 2.41, so. Right on. I was saying, what led your decision to go from the half to the full? Because that's a pretty interesting jump. Yeah, um, I think just where I was with training, like the half is obviously a lot faster. Um, I think personally for me, it, it, it's harder to run a fast half than it is to um, run 
the marathon at a different speed. Um, so, and then my training had just changed a lot where I was kind of hadn't moved away from a lot of the faster stuff. So it just would have been a, a even bigger challenge for me to get all the way back down to that pace to be able to run a 113 um, with the lower standard. So um, my training kind of had just taken more of like the marathon training out there mm-hmm. right on right on let's uh let's go let's take a few steps back here michelle <laughs> michelle i know wants to want know where this morgan van gorder gorder come from so michelle take us back sure um you know i guess it seems like you grew up in a household your father was a football coach and i guess it was very filled with sports and athletics so just kind of wanted to know what that was like and how that transformed your childhood and your experience in sports right Yes, so I have a big family. Um, I have four brothers, so only girl in a family of five. Uh, my dad is a football coach, so we actually moved around a lot. Um, so I think that's one thing that um, obviously has shaped me and who I am, but also one of the um, reasons I got into running because I was moving around so much, especially when I was in high school, running kind of was the thing I would go to um, at a new school like no matter what I always um, would join the cross-country team the track team and have that Um, but yeah so just growing up with four brothers uh, my household was very crazy and competitive Uh, we were all involved in lots of sports so my brothers were playing football baseball basketball um, and then I was always running. <laughs> um, but I did play other sports. Uh, when I was younger, I actually played flag football uh, really? with my brothers That's on cool. the all-boys flag football team. Right on. Uh, yeah, I also played soccer when I was younger. I swam um, for quite some time because we lived in Michigan for a while uh, with my dad's job. And my mom just wanted to get all of us out of the house. So she was like, you're all doing swimming. Um, you can do it for one year. And if you I need a break. Yeah, she's like, you're all, I need to get all these kids out of the house. So she said... Um, and swimming is weatherproof in Michigan. Exactly. Right? So. so it was like one of the only sports you could actually do like year round. Um, so she said we all had to do it for one year. And if we didn't like it, we could um, not do it anymore. Um, but I ended up swimming for like 12 years Wow. Um, after that. So... So when it came time to kind of pick a college and pick a sport, was UGA just inevitable or, and running, or did you give up? Did you feel like you had to give up other sports in order to choose running in college? No, I did not. So I started running in middle school, actually. Um, I, again, my mom (laughs) was like, I want you to join one team um, at school now that you're able to do that and then again if you don't like it you don't have to do it so my friend was doing cross country um, and I ended up just going to run because she was like just come do cross country with me so I was like okay Um, but I didn't really get serious about running until um, maybe my junior year I didn't even run track until my sophomore year of high school Um, but my dad coached when I was younger at UGA and it was just always my dream Um, Mm -hmm. like I was that 12 year old that was like I want to go to Georgia so there was really no other choice or option for me that was really easy and then um as yeah, I, yeah 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 go dogs. <laughs> <laughs> and then as I got um I would say my junior year was when I was like okay maybe I can actually run in college and started to pursue that option um but yeah Georgia was always like my number one there was no other school that I was going to go to besides Georgia 
So you went there on scholarship or you walked on? I walked on. You walked on. Yeah, so I walked on and I was like the last person on the team. Um, I was like, I think we had 20 girls. I was maybe like 19th. Wow. Um, so I thought like my whole first year I was always worried I was going to get cut off the team. Like, I was always waiting to go into practice and have, like, the coach be like, Morgan. Uh, We did have cuts my first, my freshman year we had cuts because so many people uh, came out and walked on to the team. So, my coach was like, I only want 20 girls. And I think we had, like, 30 or so that came out. So, we had, like, a 5K time trial on the track that would, like, determine. Oh, um, snap. Yeah. Who was going to be on the team. Um, I think I ran, like, 19 minutes. And, and still I still made it. <laughs> but I was also, but I, I always say I was also rooming with the, our top runner. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the coach was like, well, we're not going to cut Christy's best friend off the team, so we'll just keep her around. <laughs> That's smart. You know how to play the game. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, I started as a walk-on, and I was, um, yeah, just not great. And then by the time I graduated, I was traveling, and I scored um, – multiple times at the SEC meet and made it to regionals in the 10K. Um, And my team also made it to um, NCAA cross country meet my senior year. Would you say that was maybe the highlight of Definitely, yeah. Um, Where was it that year? It was um, Louisville. Louisville. Yeah. So our team hadn't actually made it to um, that meet as a team in like six years. So that was a huge deal for us. And like it wasn't just one individual going. We all went. Whole and team. Yeah. yeah uh, we, like, um, made it at regionals by, like, three points. So it was just, just it was really cool. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. So so when did it there, – there had to be a time when, when you kind of moved up from being 19th to being into the top seven, right? Mm-hmm. So so how did, how did that kind of take place? Let me think back here. <laughs> um – a lot of hard work. Oh, for sure. I know it sounds so cliche to say that, but it really was just a yeah. lot of hard work. Um, mm-hmm. That's why I'm like, I don't even really remember how it happened because it happened over yeah. a couple years. Like I didn't travel my first two years there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really was just setting little goals. So when I say like I didn't travel, my first goal was to just travel to a meet. So I was like, okay, be top 10, get to make, the travel team in cross country and like mm-hmm. that's your goal uh, and then I accomplished that and then from there moving into track season it was like okay we'll get to travel to a track race or a track meet um and then I accomplished that goal and then it was like okay I'm getting better I want to make it to the SEC meet um mm-hmm. and be on that travel team and then I did that and then it was like score in the SEC so it was just like all these little goals kind of accumulating to the end um and always having just one little goal to chase even if it was just like I want to travel to a meet which doesn't seem like a big deal but when you're at a division one SEC school like that's very hard to do yeah everyone's like the best of the best coming from their high school right it's also a very visceral goal right like you were rooming with someone who was leaving every weekend so you can almost right feel the like, right. all right, that's something I want to be able to do. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It keeps it in the front of your mind. Yeah. So, well, with that in mind then, so when, when I came in as a freshman at Georgia Tech, <laughs> um, Unfortunately. <laughs> um, there were six freshman guys that came in. Mm-hmm. And, and when I came back my sophomore year, a year later, there was one sophomore. It was me. 
Um, and yeah. so, so, and I think that's very common among teams that, that even with like all the freshmen y'all had on the team, even if you hadn't had the, that cutthroat 5k on the track, right. there would have been like, like a lot of them would have disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, 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 something would have happened mm-hmm. and they would have gotten away. They would have gotten distracted. They, they were realized it's not what it's cracked out to be, whatever. What is it that kept you going? Mm-hmm. I think, um, again, part of it was just. I am very goal driven. Um, and so like I always have, since I always did have the one focused goal, um, like I was just going to accomplish that goal no matter what. Um, it really wasn't an option for me to just be like, I'm not going to do this or this is too hard. I know, I don't know. That sounds like maybe cliche, but, um, that was kind of it for me. And also just always, I was seeing so much improvement. So that was also, it was also easy to want more from that. Um, I think if I would have just been stagnant or, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't improving or I wasn't, my times weren't like dropping dramatically. I had a lot of room to kind of drop because I I mean, I did come in like my PR going into college was 1958 in a 5k. So I had a lot of room to grow there and drop um that time so i think that just it, you know i just wanted to keep chasing the goals and the times right on right on so as you kept chasing the goals and times to great segue to kind of post-college running um so i guess from what i know there's kind of a gap between when you graduated and when you joined the atlanta track club elite team um so can you talk a little bit about what that looked like for you, what it looked like going from probably for the first time in your life, a team environment to running on your own and kind of what that transition was like yeah. right out of college and running? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, it's very hard transition. I think anyone that's gone through it knows. Um, I think we hear about it a lot. We when do. We look at anybody who leaves college and immediately signs a contract. It's right. seems to be right. kind of a common thread for people. Right. And I would even argue to say that's, obviously it's hard transition in its own sense but it's even harder um I didn't really know where my where I was gonna fall like I wasn't signing a contract so I think that makes it even harder Mm -hmm. because you're kind of just your whole identity has been wrapped up in this team and sport and I even think about like my main focus in college obviously besides my academics was running um so then you graduate you're in the real world it's like you're starting your first job and I was kind of on the fence like I knew I wanted to keep running but I didn't really know where mm-hmm. that fit or like uh the how to fit it in how to fit it in job. like <laughs> with a real job where you're not just like run no eat sleep twice a day. yeah you don't um, get to leave finish everything at noon and take right, a nap exactly. and then go to take practice at three thirty. um yeah. and I didn't have a community here I moved to Atlanta right after school so like I didn't the actual our elite team that we have now had not formed yet. Amy and Andrew had not moved to Atlanta yet. Um, so I was kind of just out there floundering, trying to run. Uh, didn't really know what it looked like. I didn't really run super competitively. My first, I would say, I'm trying to remember, maybe two years out of college. So that was like 13 to 15, 2013, yeah. 2015? And I think once the Begley's came to Atlanta. I don't know the dates off the top of my head, so um, I want to say 2015. 
They came they came in 2015, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, remember, I remember talking to them on the phone in 2015 okay. for the first time. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So so they, they came in late 2014 and really kind of started getting right. things rolling in 2015. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So once they got here, I kind of started hearing the buzz about the elite team and things like that. And um, I got that itch again to be like, okay, well, maybe I can get back into this more competitively and reached out to them. Um, Had you heard of them before they came to Atlanta? Did you I, know about Amy's success? I, I knew about Amy, um, but not, like, I just knew who she was as a runner, you know? Um, but no, I met them for the first time. We had, like, a big meeting in, like, a warehouse. I don't know if you were there, George. There was, like... I wasn't at that meeting, but I've been to that warehouse. Yeah. Oh, and that, Which warehouse? So, so, no, it was it was in Buckhead. Oh. Wasn't it? Yeah, I can't, but I, no, I've been in that warehouse for to get like shoes and yeah, stuff, and it's like yeah. filled with Mizuno gear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But so anyway, it's just like going. this massive meeting with like all these people that were just like, yeah, like I want to join the team. Um, <laughs> it was really nerve wracking actually, because I hadn't really. I mean, I was still running. It's per like being se. a freshman at UGA. Yeah, but, but I wasn't like competing. Um, I hadn't. I don't know. I haven't really run like a road race in a couple years, and I remember. Amy, so once we decided I would join the team, Amy was like, okay, come meet me at Piedmont Park this week for, we'll do a like short workout. And I was like, oh my gosh, I hadn't done like any kind of workout in forever. And we got there and she was like, okay, we'll do nine 300s. And I was like, oh my God. And this is on the active oval? On the active oval. And I just remember like trying to be, yeah, trying to like seem so like, fit and strong and I like run by her and be like hold your breath like don't let her hear that you're like breathing hard it's like I was just yeah but you're blue in the face yeah it felt like pressure um so yeah and then I joined uh the elite team then and um mostly focusing on the half and I did run track um right when I joined I went to a couple 5ks um so what did that look like for you? Were you working full-time then and joining the elite team? And what is, do you work now? Or is- yeah. So at this time, I was still trying to do the more of like the professional runner thing. So I was nannying okay. um, and just running. So I was definitely trying to like really see if I could try the whole professional runner with just a part-time job, um, which I think is also a lot of pressure. Um, but yeah, that's what I was doing at that time. Um, and, and how does that work with when you decided to join the elite team? Did you know that you would be working with Amy? Were you working with Andrew? Like, I guess we all know from the Atlanta track club about Amy and Andrew, but right. how does it really, the dynamic between who they coach? And- yeah. So they coach together. Um, I would say Andrew does more of the, like, training plans like our workouts and things like that he's kind of like the mastermind behind all of that and then Amy I would say does more of just like the um like mental walking through like race strategy with you um kind of just where you are in that regard um I feel like I talked to Amy about a lot of just like even after the half I just ran just kind of like walking through the mental process and um does she travel more to the races with you guys? She seems to always kind of be on the sidelines. It's whether about, it's a track or anything. Yeah, it's about 50-50. Um, I mean, they do a great job of, of just splitting everything up so that n- 
both of our groups, so we have like the middle distance shorter group and then the marathon group, okay. um, both groups always have either Amy or Andrew um, with them, either at a race um, or here in Atlanta at practice or um, when they're out at altitude camp. So like Amy's been out at altitude for the past three weeks with our marathon crew. So why aren't you at altitude? Um, because that's, that's a nice segue into <laughs> what she's doing now professionally, right? Yeah. So yeah. now I um, work full time. Um, so I do U.S. immigration for a software company here in Atlanta. Um, so that's my full time job outside of running, and then running is kind of just my side job. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I couldn't take four weeks off uh, for altitude camp. I would have loved to. Um, yeah. Maybe if I. So instead of altitude, you and George are kind of teaming <laughs> up away. Yeah. No, it like, worked out really well for me since since Morgan and I run similar times, and since we have a marathon the same weekend, and all of her training partners in Albuquerque, New Mexico, it's like George steps into the void. <laughs> so it works out really well for me, except for when Morgan says, "Hey, let's do a workout three by six miles at faster than marathon pace." <laughs> but which is what we did yesterday. But anyway, and George beat me. We can circle Don't back around. Him. We can circle back around. George was so nervous Don't about that him. workout. He wouldn't even tell me what it was on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> so he might have beat you, but don't think he wasn't nervous about. We were that. all nervous about that workout. We were let's all be honest. So so it was me and it was you and it was Lori Knowles. Yes. Who who also running the trials? Who's running the trials and can be her fourth Olympic trials? Yep. Yeah. Um, and then um, Janelle bought, bought, uh, joined us for a little while, right? Yes. So, so. she did two of the repeats. Right. Um, Janelle's another another uh, member of the elite team, right? Yes. So she's um, just recently ran a huge PR on the half. So she ran 113. She mm-hmm. was like 40 seconds off of the um, trials qualifiers. So that was obviously a super great PR for her, but also kind of bittersweet because she was so yeah. close. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she went for it again. And had it been four years ago, she would have Oh, had the t- yeah. She would have been two so. minutes under. So, yeah. 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 Okay, so with that in mind then, so so circling back around to like 2015. Right. You said that you were like focusing on the half and you were trying to qualify for the marathon trials. When you came out of college or when you, you know, when you started getting back into running after that short hiatus after college, mm-hmm. did you say, "Okay, I want to be a marathoner?" Um, or did you say, did you say, "I want to try and qualify in the 5K and 10K and stuff like that?" Cuz you, you ran the 5 and you said you were a, uh, you qualified for regionals or sectionals in the 10K, right? 10K. Correct. So so you didn't want to keep on trying to do 25 laps around the track? <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, after college I literally said I never want to run another 10K on the track. Okay. Um, ever again. Okay. <laughs> Have okay. you done it since college? Nope. <laughs> wow. And so, so, That's so, so serious. Oh, wait. I actually was in one that I was dreading, and it was at Georgia Tech, actually, at one of their meets. Um, and, like, the first two miles, it lightning and got rained out, and it was, like, the best day of my life. <laughs> I was like, thank you, the Lord. I was like, wow, this is so meant to be. Thank you. This huge storm <laughs> just blew in two miles into the 10K. And I'm super happy. This is what happens if you try and run 10K <laughs> on the track. So so now you know, and you don't try it at all. But but I mean, you but you really just did say I'm I'm done with track, and I want to I want to race on the roads, and I want to be a marathoner. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Track. I mean, I loved track in college, but definitely was wanting to focus on the roads after um, I graduated. I just didn't have that desire to just race on the track it's so different yeah. there's like i i feel like there's a lot more 
just pressure on the track. Um, mm-hmm. I do a lot better on the roads, just pace-wise and mentally for me. It's just more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really didn't have, yeah, the desire to just get on the track and hammer it out and race after college. Um, definitely wanted to move to the roads and do like gate river run and just more of like the championship races Mm -hmm. in that sense. Um, I didn't really have the marathon in mind per se. Once I ran, got into the half marathon training, I really enjoyed it and like my body responded really well to it. And then I ran a decent half marathon when I ran 117, that was in 2015. and I was like, okay, well, if I can run a 117 half, I could probably run a pretty good marathon. Um, mm-hmm. So but, what did that look like when you came to the Atlanta Track Club Elite team? Was it a, I'm coming in here and I want to be a marathoner? Amy and Andrew, can you train me to run the marathon? What was that process like? We didn't talk about the marathon when I first um, joined the team. I, Andrew was always like, you have time, so... There's really no rush to jump in and run a marathon. Like, And you hadn't run a marathon I hadn't you run a marathon, track. no. Okay. I had hardly run... I think I had run one half marathon for, like, fun. Um, I think I ran, like, 132 or something, just, like, the Thanksgiving half um, when I was in college. So it really wasn't on the table. Andrew was like, you have time to um, wait to run a marathon. Like, you're 24. You don't need to come in and, like, start hammering out marathons. It's just like settle down a little <laughs> like let's just see slow your roll yeah morning. like you still have some speed in your legs like let's not jump straight to the marathon uh so yeah he held me back from the marathon for a while actually um so how'd you convince him to let you move into the marathon or or, or was it the other direction <laughs> yeah or did he say all right you're ready for this i let me think here for a second how it happened I really don't know I guess it was just a natural progression like from the half um I didn't get the qualifier in the half um four years ago and then I actually took a bit of a break um after that I was kind of just a little burned out um and so I stepped away I actually stepped away from the track club team for a while and was just kind of doing my own thing and that's when I was like, I'm going to run a marathon. Like, I'm just going to go train for a marathon and do it, which I did. Um, I did that. I and which just, marathon was that? I ran Big Cottonwood. So I will never said. run it again, but that's I did. exactly what yeah. me and probably every other person at that finish line Yeah. So, that conclusion. Um, I'm pretty stubborn. So I was just like, I'm training for a marathon. Like, I want to run a marathon. Um <laughs> That was kind of it. And so... I think we can all empathize with that in this room. (laughs) Yeah. And so I literally, like, downloaded a training plan. I wasn't running with the track club at this time. Um, And I followed this random plan off the internet. And I ran Big Cottonwood, and I ran a 256. And it was really painful, because that race, if you're not familiar with it, it has, like, a 5,000-foot... Downhill. No thanks. Just to clarify, it is actually a five thousand foot descent. Yeah, it like, is. That's not an exaggeration. It's pretty wild. Yeah. Because you finish and you're like, I don't know what I just did, but my legs and my knees are and shattered. my quads mm. are killing me. Yeah. My my quads were hurting at like mile four, and yeah. I was like, Wow, I'm really in trouble because I'd never run a marathon before. And yeah, it was tough. It was really tough. Did you um, win? I did. Okay. Yeah. I did win. 
Let, let, let's go throw that out there as well. <laughs> That's kind of an important component of this story. But so but yeah, but yeah, those downhill marathons, they're not people are like, oh, they're gonna be so fast. And no, it's like, it yeah, it's horrible. not horrible. It's not what people are expecting. Sugarloaf in Maine, and it's downhill from mm-hmm. after mile ten, and it just shattered me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was done by the last ten k. So yeah, yeah it, I feel that. <laughs> like I will never. I think the downhill mar- marathon, yeah, I don't know what all these people say. Like, they're so fast. No. no they're thanks. horrible. No. To this day, it's the worst, hardest, just worst marathon I've ever run. You have, well, I mean, you have you have CIM and you have, like, the back half of Flying Pig. I mean, there is some, some like, some boost you get from downhill. But, like, the straight up, like, like Peak to Creek in Asheville, North Carolina and, like, all the Mount Revel ones and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Are, yeah, those are just not. Yeah. When it's those, several thousand feet of. Yeah. Yeah, de-elevation jumping off yeah. the side of a cliff and I also yeah. couldn't walk for like three weeks after that because my yeah. quads were so sore like <laughs> and, I, and I thought that's what you felt like after every marathon so I was like <laughs> wow now I know what people are talking about I cannot walk like this is crazy but then I, once I ran a different marathon I was like oh so that. how did we get from 256 big cottonwood Never doing this again. Can't walk for three weeks to your next marathon. Did you go back to the track club then? There's there's a Boston in there, right? There is. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my main goal to run Cotton was was I wanted to qualify for Boston. Um, So I was just like making this marathon thing happen. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like I was really and and I like I didn't even really know. I'm like, oh, I broke three. Like that's cool. Like it's pretty good for the first marathon, and I felt really bad. So. Um, I qualified for Boston. <laughs> Mile four. I must have done something right. <laughs> I was like, so I qualified for Boston, so then I signed up for Boston, and that became, like, my goal. Um, Is this 2017? This 18? was 2018. Okay. The year with the really bad weather. Patrick was, was there. The one I ran. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We remember that year. Yeah. Um, and were you back with the Atlanta track? No. I was Boston, still on my still own. on your own? Okay. I was still on my own at this point. Um, so... Truthfully, the training for Boston was just all over the place. Like, I made it up as I went. (laughs) Sounds good to me. I'm not kidding. I would go out to, like, the track and be like, "Hmm, okay, what do I want to do today? I'll do, like, six by thousand. And then, like, I'd do three and be like, I think that's good for the day. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I didn't have a coach or a training plan or anything, so I was really just winging it. Um, Or I'd be like, oh, today I'm going to run eight miles. Tomorrow I'm going to run... 10 miles um so I was just all over the place but I did run like a few 20 milers I think I did only did two 20 milers before Boston so how did um, Boston 2018 go I actually PR'd the race I ran a 253 there what'd you wear just curious I always have this theory that the people who kept on <laughs> the most clothing probably fared better than the people who suffered from hypothermia so I was not one of those people okay. I still ran in my spandex shorts and a sports bra wow yeah. I did well, not run in that outfit. I had arm warmers and gloves and a hat. Okay. Ooh, but yeah. Than nothing, but. Yeah. Um, that was definitely on the lesser side. We had a lot of folks uh, piling on clothing for that race. Oh, yeah. That yeah, was cold. I, it was like, I didn't know what to wear because I've never, like, raced or... I mean, nobody did. Yeah. Like, race, you don't, so. like, race with all these clothes on. Like, that just doesn't feel natural. So, for me, I was just like... I mean, I'm going to be running for a long time. <laughs> Hopefully I'll warm up. Right. Um, which it didn't, it actually didn't feel bad until you finished. Uh, I didn't feel really like 
really cold during the race. It was only until I finished that my body like started freaking out because of the temperature drop. Did you know why you were running that Des had won? Did you guys hear no. that on the course? You no. had no idea. Mm-mm. Sorry. Small. I did ask. Like, that was, like, one of the first things I asked when I crossed. I was like, who won? Because like, you are like, this was epic. Who won? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I ended up uh, was 20th overall because, like, so many of the elite pack, like, dissipated and dropped off. Um, so, even though my time wasn't, like, usually my time would not be, like, in the top 20 of Boston Marathon. But I always think that's still pretty cool because Absolutely. just because of the day. And Absolutely. well, to put it in context too, you're only what 14 minutes behind the winner that year. I mean, that's not yeah, yeah. super far behind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so <laughs> very so. cool. And then, how did you feel at the end of the race, like as compared to Big Cottonwood, where it was like, all right, this is the first one. Not really sure what's going on here. How did the second one compare in terms yeah. of yeah? Um, well, yeah, physically, I felt completely different. Um, I think Boston was kind of the catalyst for right. mm-hmm. like my love for the marathon um like i i was just so in the like even despite the weather and everything i just really like got in that zone and the whole race i kept feeling better and better and i was kind of like well, i don't know what's happening like is this am i gonna be able to sustain this um mm-hmm. but like a negative split on the back half of boston which yeah. is like pretty hard to do um mm-hmm. So the whole time I just was gaining this momentum and this energy and obviously in Boston anyways, it's like even with the weather, it was epic with like the crowd and um, everything. So I think that was the first, obviously besides, it was only my second marathon I'd ever run, Mm -hmm. but that like was what lit the fire to be like, okay, I love the marathon. Like that was pretty cool. That is cool. So top 20 in Boston, 2018, you run a PR there in your second marathon. How do you find your way back to the Atlanta Track Club elite team? Yeah. So, um, I actually, it's, even though. Did you though, make a phone call? Uh, call no, yeah. <laughs> so that was, ironically, after, I was super fired up after Boston, but then I actually took like this very long extended break from running after that. Um, I mean, it couldn't be that long if you ran it was, a marathon it, June. It was long, um, like six or months. seven, seven months. It ended up, yeah. So, actually, after Boston, I didn't run for a while, like at all. I was just like, life was crazy and transition, period. Um, so, I actually reached out to George, and I can't even remember when it was when we sat down. Was that like August? Something like July that. July or August? I was wearing shorts. Yeah. <laughs> It was like that summer. So it's, it's, it's a very specific detail. So it was detail. above 60 degrees. It was that, yeah. It was George's rules about wearing shorts. No, no, I'm saying, <laughs> so I'm your knees were covered. It was before November 1st. <laughs> All right, jerks. It was summertime is what I'm saying. <laughs> it was summertime is when we talked. Yeah, it was the end of the summer. And, like, I was so out of shape. I hadn't really run. I just, like, couldn't find that motivation after Boston to, like, keep the training going. And, again, I wasn't running with a team so that it is it's really hard to just like keep that steam going by yourself um so it's kind of just like whatever and then like a week turned into like two weeks turned into months and I was like oh my gosh I'm so far from like where I was even when I ran Boston and you were transitioning jobs too I was I was transitioning jobs which is and that's an important thing to keep in mind as well that's fair yeah um I was actually living in Gainesville at the time so I was living I wasn't in Atlanta um so then when I moved back to Atlanta, 
actually reached out to George and was just like, hey, I don't know, like, basically, can you help me kind of, like, get back in shape? And you were like... You, I said no. You agreed. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you agreed. And we tried it, but um, I still just wasn't in that, like, mind space. Like, it just was sure. not happening. Like, I was trying to force something to happen, like... I just wasn't enjoying it. I was really out of shape. Nothing felt good. Like, I went to one of the, actually, ITL workouts, and it was, like, I was supposed to do, like, six by mile. Oh, I know what that feels like. And I was like, well, what pace? And we were trying to hit, He doesn't like, give you paces. Six-minute pace or something. You're like, just start off at six-minute pace. Or like 6.15, and I was running like 6.40, and I was like, F this, I'm leaving. And I like got all my stuff and like went to the car and left. Um, That's what I feel like every Tuesday, but I don't actually leave. <laughs> yeah, I did. I like picked up all my stuff and just got in the car and was like, yeah, this is not happening. Um, I actually stopped her on the way out. As opposed to you, Michelle, I just let you leave. But, uh... <laughs> Hold on, I don't leave until I'm finished. Just because I'm finishing, you're just getting there. I know, look, look, I'm just trying to defend myself. It doesn't really have any basis in fact here. But, but no, I remember that day well. Keep going. Yeah, so that was like, I was just like, you know, maybe I'm done um, after that workout. One of those demoralizing It was workouts. just one of those, like, maybe this is just, like, the end of the road for running. Um... And then I took another, like, short break after that. And then it was actually, I saw um, the track club athletes run really well at CIM. Um, they all, like, crushed CIM that year, 2018. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, it just, this motivate. Yeah. You that. were? Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, far behind them, but I was there. Yeah, they all ran. <laughs> That's like, where you ran your Boston qualifier, though. Give is. yourself some credit. Yeah. Yeah, that was, like, a really good day. Like, yeah, they had perfect PR weather. It was great. It was That's perfect awesome. racing. Yeah. So. so I saw uh, their times, and, like, it just kind of put this thing in the back of my head, and I was like, okay, I want to do that. Um, so I actually – I reached out to Andrew and was just like, you know, um, would I be able to just come run – like, with the team, like, just to try to get myself going again, um, and, like, we didn't talk about races, or even, like, me officially being on, like, the elite team, I was just, like, I just want to come to practice, and, like, have people to meet and run, just to, like, get myself back into it again, yeah, so that's where, um, it started, I rejoined the team, so, like, December 2018, and he was cool about that, he He was, was. oh, yeah, he was, like, absolutely, like, show up on Tuesday, Kudos. Yeah. For that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, well, so 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 kudos to you for being brave enough to actually kind of reach back out again. Right. But kudos to, to Andrew for being like, oh yeah, sure, you can come on back. Yeah. As opposed like, to being yeah. like, you know, real insular and closed and elitist and all that sort of thing. Right. Yeah. Which I don't think he's that way. Don't get me wrong. No, but not but at all. I, but I just think that's that's cool. Yeah. You know. There was like no hesitation and like, um. He was just like, send me what you've done over the last like couple months, which was <laughs> like. So you, not much. You, you sent him a blank word document. I was like, um, like, I think, yeah, most of the weeks were like zero, 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 zero. Aborted workout at, at ITO track Tuesday, zero, 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 zero. <laughs> yeah, so December 2018, that was like the start of the quote comeback to marathoning. Right so you rejoined the team. And then six months later, you ran grandma's marathon in 2000, June 2019. Yes. 
Yeah. So that was a pretty quick, I just want to come run to, I'm going to build up for a marathon. Right. Maybe try to get another Olympic trials qualifier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how did that? Yeah. You just got right back into it, it seems I, like. Yeah, I did. Kind of. Um, kind of. Like, yeah, I guess so, in a way. Um, obviously, at first, we didn't talk about, like, an Olympic trials qualifier that much, just because... Like, George, you can attest to this, but, like, I was really out of shape. Like, I could barely run, like, I mean, I couldn't run, like, 630s for a workout, which, comparatively, for, like, compared to where I was before, (laughs) if you need to run 26 (laughs) miles at, like, 618, and you can't even do a workout, like, an 800 at 630 pace, then um, you're pretty far off, so... We didn't really have those conversations right away just because, like, I didn't want to put pressure on myself and Andrew didn't want to, like, put that pressure out there for it, it to be, like, some setting myself up for, you know. Did you feel, like, incremental gains in fitness as the weeks went by? I mean, it must have felt pretty yeah. good to be back out there and I def- get back in shape. And Yeah, I definitely did. It definitely took a while. Like, it took a lot longer than I thought it would take. Um a lot longer I would say like the first two months was really just getting in like some kind of shape um I thought it would be like pop right back but that was not the case (laughs) all sometimes (laughs) yeah I was like once I get back in the groove and get with the team like I'll be fine but it took a while um it took it definitely took a while to get the fitness back um like I even ran road to gold I think that was March of 28 yeah. 19. 19. It was exactly a year ahead. It was yeah. a testament. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I ran horrible. Like, I <laughs> I don't even know what my time was. But I was just, like, in my head, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have so far to go um, to even, like, talk about an Olympic trials qualifier. But it was obviously in the back of my mind because I am, like, competitive. And in the back of my mind, that was my goal. I'm like, well, if I can, like, get my fitness back in time, I could still potentially make a run at this. Um, but yeah, the weeks just kept building. Like it was just a lot of hard work, like putting your head down and getting back in shape. <laughs> so was the decision to run grandma's in June of 2019 part of a bigger plan to try to hit a qualifier in the fall of 2019? Or were you at the point by the time you lined up that morning in June, ready to kind of go for it? I would say I was lining up to go for it. But in the back of my head, I didn't know if I was there yet, if that makes sense. It makes sense. And you knew you had more time. I knew I had, essentially yeah. have a whole other marathon cycle yeah. into the fall. Yeah. Like, I wasn't telling myself I'm not going to go for it today. Like, I knew it was a possibility, but I knew my fitness, and I kind of knew, like, what my range was that day. And I was like, I would have to really have, like, a lights out hitting on all cylinders, like, everything go right type of day for me to run a 245. Um, and I ran a 248, which... Was a PR. Was still a PR. Um, which had to feel good. It did. It <laughs> felt good. And I, I, I knew I still had time, so I wasn't as, like, I didn't finish, and I, I was able to enjoy my PR. Because I knew great. I, like, had another opportunity yeah. coming um, if everything went well. And it wasn't, like, the end-all, be-all. Like, I missed the qualifier on my last chance. Um, so I still kind of was just soaking in running, like, yeah. under 250. Right on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, then, and then four months later, you turn around and do Twin Cities. 
Yep. So, so two questions there. Number one, how did you decide on the four month turnaround and to specifically go to Twin Cities? And then, well, yeah, let's answer that one first. Yeah. <laughs> then the, the second question is going to be like, how did it feel turning around that quickly? Yeah. But yeah, go ahead. Um, so we picked Twin Cities. Andrew um, decided on that one. So just in case, if for some reason I didn't get it at Twin Cities, mm-hmm. I could do CIM. CIM. Gotcha. Which would be a really quick turnaround, but that would kind of be like the last chance. I guess I could do... We talked about Houston, but it was just like, it was so, it would be so close to the trials mm-hmm. um, that I was like, I would be more comfortable just going at CIM and like, I know it's a fast course. Yeah. Um, not that Houston's not, but just like historically people have been running insane sure. at CIM. Um, they had pacers for the 245 group. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. yeah. Which they actually had at Twin Cities as well. Oh yeah? Yeah. So that was kind of the decision there to do Twin Cities so that I could have the backup of CIM um, if I needed it. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like it was a fast turnaround from Grandma's to Twin Cities or did you take a little bit of downtime and then build back up? Yeah, I took, well, at, yeah, after Grandma's, I took two full weeks off um, and then a couple weeks of just like plain running, I guess, like no workouts. Um, I was nervous about it, the build up, the quick turnaround. Um, Andrew was not nervous about it. Like, I remember when I went in to meet with him, um, cause like after every race, we always have like a sit down, just kind of like going through the build up, um, talking about like what went right or like anything you would want to change about the build up and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, and he was like, okay, well we'll have like eight weeks till Twin Cities. And I was like looking at him like, you're nuts. Like I'm not, <laughs> you're giving me eight weeks to run like a two, three take like three more minutes off um but yeah he wasn't worried about it so I was like okay um but yeah the build-up definitely felt different like I was just determined that I was gonna run and also starting to 45 much better fitness exactly yeah. yeah um and I still wasn't even as fit like I still had a lot of room to go um, fitness wise. So like I was still building on that momentum where like every week I was seeing improvement, which was a huge motivator, mm-hmm. um, just from that perspective. But yeah, I was like super tunnel vision for that second build up, like way more so than the build up for grandma's. Um, and it, and it was short. It was short. Yeah. yeah and then, so that, that might've actually helped you be so tunnel visioned. Right? Yeah. It definitely helped. Like, I think we've talked about this, but the, my build up for grandma's, including because I had all that time where I actually had to like get in shape. Um, was like it's sixteen weeks. Yeah, it was long. long. <laughs> so like towards the end of that build up, I just remember being like like seeing a workout on paper that I already done twice, and I was just like, you know, mentally I was like, oh, yeah. I do not want to do this workout again. <laughs> um, so you run Twin Cities, and can you kind of just give us a brief synopsis of that race and kind of when you realized that you were going to hit the qualifier and what it felt like to cross that finish line. Yeah. So, um, I knew I was going to run the qualifier. Did you go out with the pace group? I mean, what did that... <laughs> kind of before the race started. That sounds really weird. But, like, That's I was okay. so... I think it sounds kind of badass, but... <laughs> yeah. I mean, what do you think? Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> like, like, I just, like yeah, yeah. My, I don't know. Like, there was just this different energy with this buildup. Like, I was so focused on this goal. Um, and I knew my fitness was there. Like, I had done 
the workouts had showed like I could definitely run 245. Um, my goal was like 243. So I definitely didn't know I would run as fast as I did, but I knew like if I had, if, unless something went like completely wrong, if I just like hung in there and ran the paces I was supposed to run, like physically I was capable of doing it. Um, so I never like had those doubt moments during the race where I was like, I don't know. I went through the half. I had my splits written down on my arm. So like I went through the night before and like wrote down where I needed to be at each split. Um, and then wrote that on my like forearm for the for, actual race. For how many miles? Like for every mile or for, for every like, 5k? Every 5k. Okay. Yeah. So I was pretty on. And then at the half, I was actually like two minutes under where I needed to be. So I was kind of like, unless something really crazy happens, like I you have time break my leg and like pass out on the side of the road or just like completely implode. Um, I'm going to get this. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. essentially you had a four minute buffer at the half if you were two minutes under 243 right. pace. Yeah. Were right. you with a pack at that point or did you just kind of run your own race? So I was actually running with my teammate, um, Janelle. Okay. Um, she also ran Twin Cities. Her day did not go as well as mine did, but we were with each other through like 14 miles. Um, and they actually did have pacers for um, Twin Cities. They had a 243 pacer that our plan was to just like stay with um, him, but he was kind of all over the place, which was like stressing me out. Like he was fast and then slow. And then like, I couldn't, I wasn't really like getting in rhythm and I'm very weird about like the people running around me. Like there was even this one guy running next to us and he was like drafting off of us. And I was like thinking in my head at like four miles, I was like, like that guy almost ruined my race mentally because I was just like, why is this guy drafting on me? He's, like, three times my size. Like, we should be drafting off of him. And he was, like, breathing really hard. And I was just, like, oh, my gosh, this guy cannot run with us for 26 miles. Um, And he didn't. (laughs) But those are, like, that was my thought the first few miles. I'm, like, I'm going to be so annoyed with the guy behind me that I'm not going to run a good race today. Um, No no offense, Patrick. No, just kidding. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. So the race is going on. You're at mile 18. You're at mile 20. You're at 22. I mean, how are you feeling? It's almost like locked in. Yeah. You're not there yet. It was very, like, weird. It was a weird feeling. It felt surreal. Um, And I was, like, in such, I was in such, like, we say flow state. Um, It was, like, I kept, even my pace kept, like, dropping because all the adrenaline was just, like, oh, my gosh, I'm about to accomplish this massive goal Mm -hmm. that I've had. Um, And especially just, like, everything it took to get there, like, coming from, like, the break from running and where I was in December and, like, the build-ups and all that. Like, it was all just, like, it was almost overwhelming. Like, I was, like, tearing up a couple times in the last, like, few miles. And I'm, like, hold it together. You still have, like, three miles to go. Like... (laughs) Um, and at Twin Cities, there's actually a hill from, yeah, I might be getting the miles wrong, but it's like 20 to 23. Okay. It's all uphill. Um, yes. Right. Real hills. <laughs> <laughs> More than hills so we'll talk about that next. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. So, um, 
like my pace dropped a little bit there, but I still knew I had the cushion that I was under um, where I needed to be. So it was really just trying to like hold it together and still get through the last few miles, but also like soak in the moment. Um, I like really just wanted to enjoy, like make sure I enjoyed what was actually happening. Um, mm-hmm. Those are the moments in the marathon that I think you can only really understand if you get to experience it. Yeah, I agree. And I totally so many agree. people miss it because they don't take the time to soak it in. So yeah. It's great to hear that you were able to do that. Right. right so you crossed the finish line. I Two, did. 241, what? 13. 241, 13. Mm-hmm. How'd it feel? Amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, A, I was actually like, whoa, I can't believe I just ran 241 because like I was like I just needed two well my goal was 243 but like I, I knew I only needed a 245 um so I was like I just ran like a seven minute PR yeah um but yeah I felt like it was just a really weird feeling it was overwhelming but then also just like surreal because it was just like you were on the highest of highs so it was just kind of like what do I do? Like, how do I react? <laughs> I'm serious. It was like a weird sure. moment. Um, were your coaches there? Were Amy or Andrew there? Or? No, actually, um, neither of my coaches went to um, Twin Cities. They weren't able to go. Um, so, actually, I take that back. Amy was there. I'm sorry, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> Amy was there. Sorry, Amy. I was thinking of grandmas. We went to grandmas um, by ourselves. Um, but so was yeah. Amy at the finish? But Amy, Amy wasn't at the finish. Oh, okay. Um, yet and so yeah like none of my teammates were at the finish yet so I was kind of just like there I crossed and again like I was just like in the moment just yeah. trying to like Give process me a hug, everything volunteer. Yeah. yeah like I was just processing like what happened and Love those volunteers like, the finish line. <laughs> yeah just like you know I walked to like the tent that they had after I was just kind of like sitting there like trying to process the moment and just kind of like calm down a little bit because again like the adrenaline was just pumping still um and my feet hurt really bad so I was just like my feet were like cramped after the race and what shoes were you wearing <laughs> just curious sorry the vaporfly um but yeah like that hadn't happened to me in my other marathons but like my feet were really cramped and like they hurt really bad so it was like all I was focusing on were like my feet hurt so bad <laughs> And then I waited for a minute, and my um, teammate Bridget came in, Bridget Lyons, who we actually were teammates at Georgia. Um, so that was, like, a really special moment because, like, sh- we've been on this journey kind of together for and she also a while. she also qualifier that day, right? Um, well, no, had she had the qualifier. Yeah, yeah she she's a, run a 231. Yeah. So she's, like, um, badass. But we were just, like, hugging and crying and, like, oh, my God, and just, like, freaking out. Very good. Yeah. And you're you you were teammates with uh with Nicole Di Mercurio as well, right? Yeah. Yep. So so three people from your team are now qualified for the Olympic Trials Marathon. Actually, four. One of our guys, um, Sid, is actually qualified as well. He trains with um, Nazli. Very yeah. good. Very good. Go. Never mind. I couldn't bring myself to do it. I, I couldn't get there. I couldn't get there. I tried. I tried. That was a very strong like 5K on the track of yeah, no you know, freshman year time trial you had to have. Right on, right on. Uh-oh. All right, so so now so now the trials. So, so yeah. now we're now a month out from the trials. 
Um, you took you probably took a couple weeks off after Twin Cities, right? Yes. And yeah. then did you jump back in with the trials focus right then, or? Um, so it's another long build then. Yeah, no, we, I didn't do workouts. I didn't start workouts until, um, I'm trying to think when we started. It was October. We didn't start workouts till December. Okay. So you had a little bit of time to chill. Yeah, and... that's 12 weeks before the trials. The build, uh, yeah, the yeah. build is, tw- will end up being 12 weeks if you don't count. Like the actual build, obviously we were running like, I was just doing some mileage and mm-hmm. uh, maintenance workouts mm-hmm. like in November. Um, which was good for me because like I just run two kind of back-to-back marathons yeah. mm-hmm. um, so I was happy to have a little bit more downtime and just not really have to do any of like the longer workouts for a little bit um, but yeah 12 week build up and has this build looked different or how's it look compared to the other ones it's definitely been different my paces on everything have been a lot more aggressive okay. um, which has made it a little bit different because I'm not um, like in my other two buildups I was still getting fitness so I felt like I was seeing like the daily improvement every single day so in this buildup I'm kind of like obviously at not I don't want to say max fitness but kind of almost at that point so I'm not seeing the daily improvement, and then also the paces are more aggressive, so I'm not hitting every single pace, Um, so it's definitely a challenge not to let that be like, I'm not hitting the paces, does that mean something um, is different or wrong, um, which obviously isn't the case, I'm just like being more aggressive Mm -hmm. towards the training, Um, but mileage-wise, everything has been very similar. Very good. And what about the training besides, you know, the excitement and the magnitude of the day of the Olympic trials, most people that are going to come to compete here are worried about the course and the hills. Mm -hmm. So how has that been factored into your training maybe differently than your previous marathon buildups? What are you guys doing to get ready for the course specifically, if anything? Morgan loves hills. So we talked about that. that. We talked about that a minute ago. Morgan loves hills, which you know it's hard to pick up sometimes on sarcasm via the podcast medium. Morgan being sarcastic. Morgan does not love hills. I don't love. (laughs) And Morgan and I went on a run about two weeks ago, and we went up a big hill, and she complained about that hill for the remainder of the run. So Morgan, you are running twenty six point two miles on a lot of hills, and. End of February. About so. about, about thirteen hundred feet of elevation gain. Just thirteen. So 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 it's it's kind of similar to like New York City. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a little nervous about the course. I think everyone kind of is because they just don't know what to expect. It's not your typical like rhythm course. Um, but training specific wise I mean we've run on the course. Obviously, we're lucky because we're here in Atlanta, so we can run on the course. But it's not really something you can do like workouts on just because of it's downtown sure um there's traffic and lights and like you couldn't go do a great tempo on the course um originally we talked about maybe trying to do a couple workouts on it but it's just not really like set up where you can do that um so I think we might do one key workout on it in the next few weeks I'm not sure um, they were talking about maybe like closing down the roads actually so that would be cool um, just to do like something fast on it just to kind of see would that be like a 5 a.m. Sunday thing that they would shut down the roads probably, probably. 
probably early Saturday or Sunday. So do you feel like Andrew and Amy are approaching the course as more of, it's almost an equalizer for everybody, more than we need to do specific workouts and tweak the cycle specifically for the course? Um, I wouldn't say equalizer. I would say, like, it's just going to be a, like, grind it out mental course. Like, even after, um, I raced a half last weekend and it didn't go that well, um, but mentally I was able to, like, push through the race even when my time was, like, I knew I wasn't going to run what I wanted to run. So mm-hmm. part of me wanted to just call it a day and be like, I'm not going home with a, like, crappy time that I don't want. Um, but, like, I kept pushing through the race and I was talking to Amy after and she was like, the trials is going to be a mental day sure. for everyone. Like, it's going to be just about position and being like whoever's mentally tough (laughs) and kind of like grinds through the course um that's what you're going to need that day so I think like that's kind of how we've been approaching it is it's not the fastest course um I think everyone knows that Mm -hmm. generally speaking I mean I'm sure there will be people that will PR um possibly um but that's kind of been the approach more thinking of just like place and competing versus like trying to run a fast marathon so so you're you're super goal driven as we talked about before yes and and so this is kind of a a different sort of situation that you've just described that okay Mm -hmm. so so you're not trying to run a particular time you know in order to qualify or something like that you want to be competitive have you had to to try and create a goal or, or have, you, have, have you been able to identify a goal that you can sort of latch on to? Yes. So I have a place goal. I won't say it. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. That's cool. I'll ask Will you later. you tell us after <laughs> you achieve it? I'll tell you after if I achieve it. <laughs> That's fair. Um, I do have a place goal. So, um, Yeah. Right. We can leave there. And 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 let's 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 ask this then. Is that having that place goal? Is that motivating you the same way that the 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 time goals and that sort of thing did in the past? And yeah. you know, I mean, I guess you could say your very first goal at UGA, you wanted a place on the traveling mm-hmm. team, right? Right. Um. And so so yeah. 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 Very good. Yeah. Very I think good. like yeah for me too. In that sense, like my goal for this race is really just to compete and be up there and not just be in the race like I want to kind of like prove to myself that I belong in like this field and in sure. like this field of this, 400 yeah in this field women is that um, how many qualifiers there are yeah like 500 yeah um so really I just want yeah kind of to prove to myself like you do belong here and like you belong in this field and in this race and not just be out there like I made it you know right. I'm just gonna go through the motions of this day and it'll be over and then we'll move on to like the next marathon. Sure. Well, those of us who aren't going to Tokyo, (laughs) we'll be out there cheering for you. Super excited to see Atlanta Track Club representing trials. What's next after the trials? Are you hoping to have like a quick turnaround and run in the USA's in June or are we going to figure that out come March 1st? Um, yeah, I'm, no, I don't really have any plans after the trials. I'm definitely going to take, uh, a break, obviously, like, I mean, usually I take two weeks. I don't know what that will look like after the trials, mm-hmm. but I've, this is my third marathon in less, uh, than, a less year. than a year. Yeah. So uh, definitely going to back off for a little bit. Yeah. Um, maybe do like some shorter road races. Maybe a 5K. I haven't run a 5K on the roads in like forever. So 
<laughs> we'll see. We have really talked about it. I know that there is talk about a fall marathon, but I'm not sure like which one or. All right. So it'll be some other goal though. It will be. So so all right. Yeah. So 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 you're, you're not going to hang them up after the after the the trials. No. Uh, very good. Yeah. Very good. Uh, final questions, Michelle. Why don't you take your final questions there? Um, I feel like you guys stole my final question. We did not. Your final question is, what do you enjoy doing when you're not running? Okay. Yeah. So tell us something. You know, if you're not going to be running, you're not going to train for the trials. You're not working at your job. Like, tell us something else that you enjoy. <laughs> um. Well, anyone that knows me probably already knows this, but um. I have a dog, Cooper, who's, like, my child. So if I'm not (laughs) running, I'm usually doing something with him. Uh, Take him, like, to the trails a lot just to, like, walk or, like... What, is he in your car right now? Yeah. Oh, snap. Seriously? No. Oh. That is quintessential me right there. (laughs) Remember the original port about sarcasm not coming through on the podcast? No, I I was going to maybe bring him, but... It's probably good that you didn't because there would be two five-year-old twins that would be insane right now and probably would have interrupted us four times already to tell us about Cooper's hijinks. Um, uh, uh, What did, I have another final question. What did your sports family, specifically your your brothers and and your football crazy family think about you qualifying for the Olympic trials? Um, Well, my brothers all think they're that I'm crazy with the running thing anyway. So, um, they're all kind of just like, you're insane to be honest with you. Obviously they're really excited and it's cool that they'll all be able to like come watch. But, um, yeah, they're all just, you know, tell me I'm like, you're just crazy. Will they all be there to watch? Yeah, they will all be there to watch. All right. So last question, the question we asked everybody when they come on the podcast, what's your favorite workout? Oh, my favorite workout, the Michigan. Right on. Yeah. Oh. I, 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 wore yes. a Mich- I wore a Michigan sweatshirt yes. for this very That's reason. That's my favorite workout. Who well, did the, Mi- you know who did the Michigan with you two weeks you ago? Did. Yes, I did. And you beat me in a 400. Yes, I, really I did. She's actually really upset. Like, I'm still mad She actually is this. pretty mad about no, it. No, I know. <laughs> like, I, I need a redo of this. Did you, did you throw in some hills? Just 45-year-old no. <laughs> man taking down the Olympic trials marathon qualifier and a 400 meters and at the end like, of the Michigan. Did George just beat me in a 400? Yes, okay, I did. What is your weekly mileage? I, that's what I told Michelle that oh, I run like triple George. George's <laughs> mileage, so my legs aren't fresh. <laughs> I'm team here. Sorry, I'm shocked. <laughs> very good, very good. No, so we did it a couple weeks ago, and we actually did a more proper Michigan. Yeah. Uh, so Patrick and I have done Michigans before, where we kind of we kind of modified it a little bit to make it more of a fartlek, but. But but you and I and Lori, who we were, who we also did the workout with yesterday, did uh, a mile and then a mile tempo and then a twelve hundred, then a mile tempo, then a eight hundred, then a mile tempo, then a four hundred, and then another mile tempo there at the end. Michigan plus with a hill in it. With a hill. Yeah. Which the, hill? The, the, so so there's a slight hill as you go up around the if you go around the active oval there's a hill. Okay. Yeah. yeah and cool. and Morgan was at the start of that last one complaining about the hill. That was going to be in our final tempo mile. It is a hill. That does feel like a hill. There was a hill there. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I just, like, I'm a very rhythm runner, so hills just, like, mess everything up for me. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, I, I'm actually not bad on hills. Like, I'm more of a strength runner as well, mm-hmm. but, like, I just like being in rhythm. Mm-hmm. And when the hill gets in there, it just, like, ruins the pace, and I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Fair. Yeah. 
Fair. Very good. Very good. The hard, hard to avoid hills living in Atlanta, Georgia. Yes. Heat, hills, and humidity, as they say. So, <laughs> very good. Well, Morgan Van Gorder, it was our distinct honor and pleasure to have you here on the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. We appreciate you joining us. Of course. Thanks for having me, guys. And good luck, right? Yeah, yeah. we'll Thanks. be out there cheering, some of us. Uh, so right on, right on. Others of us will be texting you from Tokyo saying, how to go, how to go, how to go. I'll wait until you've been done for a good 10 to 15 minutes before right. I do that, though, okay? So thanks again, Morgan. Thanks for listening, everybody. That'll do it for another edition of the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and Slayer X. Don't forget to reach out to us on Facebook, facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast. Reach out to us on Twitter, at pleasantpodcast. We're on Instagram now, at mostpleasantexhaustion. And you can download us on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, on Apple Podcasts, or on Spotify. Don't forget to reach out to our sponsors as well. ITL Coaching and Performance can be found at itlcoaching.com, at itlcoaching on Twitter, facebook.com slash performance. And on Instagram, ITO Coaching. Blue Pineapple Travel can be found at bluepineappletravel.com, at facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, or on Instagram, bluepineappletravel. And SlayerX can be found at slayerx.com, at facebook.com slash here for slayerx, that's the number four, here for slayerx, on Twitter, at official slayerx, and on Instagram, here for slayerx. Don't forget to use the pleasant 2019 discount code for 10% off anything at their website. On behalf of Michelle Frank and Patrick Ollinger, this is George Darden. We appreciate your listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast.